and they they split the brain really they split the mind into um, um, altars into uh, with amnesic walls through trauma and torture uh, things like um, electroshock um, drowning um, rape a lot of psychological stuff and um, start splitting the brain so that they can take various parts of that that mind and program them for various tasks before we get into the show i want to share with you the z stack a powerful immunity building vitamin pack formulated by Dr. Zelenko, the founder of the Zelenko Protocol. Many of you may have seen my interview with Dr. Zelenko explaining how the combination of quercetin and vitamin C together is a powerful zinc ionophore gun which delivers zinc, the bullet, into the cell where the virus is. Zinc blocks the virus from getting into the cell. Quercetin and vitamin C together are a safe over-the-counter alternative to hydroxychloroquine. Access to this is needed when government restricts and bans effective treatments. Also, it has been established that high normal levels of vitamin D is important for warding off sickness and staying out of the hospital. With the dangers of the COVID shot, we need a strong immune system to keep from getting sick. The danger is getting sick. That's when the effects of the bioweapon shot takes over. The Z-Stack will provide you with a defensive weapon to fight a potential virus. You can see the studies and also buy yours today at the link below or at sarahwestall.com under shop. I also highly recommend C60 gel caps, daily zeolite detox, and my probiotic greens to maintain a healthy body, all of which you can get at my shop at sarahwestall.com under shop. When you were going through this, did you um, ever question, I mean, you just talked about the fact that you didn't really know some things were true or not. How did you know whether it was something that was programmed or whether it was something that really happened? Um, that's tricky. Uh, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time to, I call it, you know, my head popping up above the veil of, of that programming and compartmentalization and amnesic walls. Um, and it can be very tricky to determine those two things. Um, I, I guess I would say that as I became more of my true self, those things were um, becoming also somewhat easier to determine. And even still to this day, if something new that I haven't really dealt with pops up, um, sometimes it takes a while for me to really figure out what it was all about. You know, the thing about deprogramming is it's not like a movie where, you know, it begins, you go through the whole thing and it ends. Deprogramming is filled with massive amounts of fragmented memories, um, just just small snippets here and there. And this can go on for years. Um, and and the trick, too, is to start recording things and continue to record things for as long as it takes until things start to form patterns and the patterns could become really helpful. I mean, it's almost absolutely necessary to me to start recording things for that very reason. A lot of the things slip out of into your mind and back out again. They don't necessarily stay there. 
Uh, you got a bunch of altars presenting a whole bunch of different things. You've got a bunch of secretive altars that don't want to present anything. So, I mean, literally a memory fragment may be you have this whole scenario where two different altars participated, but only one of them wants to show you a piece of it. So you come in to consciousness of it in the middle of it. You don't know how it started. You don't know where, where it is. You don't know how it ends. You just got this one little piece because the other altars don't want to participate. So it's, it's really tricky. I mean, it's, it's like having, and you have to figure out how to put it together. What is the involvement of the FBI? You talked about them in chapter five, um, during your twenties, the FBI becoming involved. What is their role? Well, um, it's a, it's another agency that's, you know, heavily infiltrated and corrupted. Um, they were, I don't, I don't know from their perspective. I know from my perspective, um, I was, um, they were present around me, uh, for a period of time in my twenties. Um, I was involved with someone that I believe was, a. Um, I don't know if he was a witting handler or unwitting and somebody they just put me with. He was um, in Florida. He was uh, dealing very heavily in drugs. He had a cover business in, in a town in Florida, but I, he was handling drugs. And I believe even some, some women in, um, in a tri-county area, it was a huge area. And I, that would be the first time I encountered what appeared to be FBI presence um, when we were out one night and they came up, somebody came up and warned me to get away from him, which I was clueless, you know, what that meant and, and so forth. Um, and then I was working for what I call an MKUltra family. Um, there was a pastor, a father, there was the mother um, and then two sons. And I was brought into the business um, and was sexually involved with both of the sons. One was married, one was single. Um, the father was a real piece of work. Um, he was sexually involved with women that worked in the same business as me. Um, and eventually we, I started working for them. It was a, a restaurant bar and we opened I opened with them two other locations in that tri-county area. And by the time we were in the third one, uh, the FBI was onto the business and, and um, surveillance was there. And I don't know if they, I don't know what their role was there because to my recollection, there was no, um, there was no legal action taken as far as I know against the family or the father. I suspect they, um, I suspect they they um, compromised or the father was compromised and they found that out and were using him to, you know, like a, an informant. Later in your life, back, well, I shouldn't say that late, in your 30s, you started, your program started to break down and then they reprogrammed you. Can you talk about the breakdowns and the reprogramming? And then I want to get into a little bit of what you're seeing with some people high profile people that seem to be reprogrammed. Okay. Um, yeah, well, 
it took me quite a few years into deep deprogramming to realize that let me let me start it this way that my opinion is that that not only do they program you but they plan for program breakdown so that when you your programming starts to break down which really to me is just a um is a uh, is your spirit is 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 coming more alive is is getting stronger or awakening more um and it's pushing through so that things just don't seem hunky-dory and you know things are messed up and um strange memories and so forth are surfacing but they actually in my opinion this was done to me they actually plan how the the breakdown is going to happen so in other words they know it's going to happen at some point and so they plan what will show up first what might show up second and and what i saw was they they designed it in such a way that the first things that that show up make you sound super crazy and nobody really you know nobody really wants to talk about it even if they love you and they believe something's going on with you nobody really wants to go there um and also you get what i call flooded with um self-destruct programming so if they can't reprogram you they know this is it then they'll they'll well not they it, it automatically kicks off it's like if you start remembering this thing this piece then this program is going to kick off so that you're either going to start cutting um i had bulimic and anorexic programming um uh, self-harm programs either cut i remember trying to break a bone in my hand one time um and in and, and then suicide programs i had two that i was aware of um and so they in early deprogramming sometimes all these things would kick off in a day literally in a day because so many memories were surfacing and altars were bringing information forward um, and then there's also for me early on what started to show up was quote unquote alien type um, abduction and so forth, uh, which in my opinion, isn't alien abduction. It's elementals in the malevolent form, meaning the ones that are part of my programming that are part of, uh, the dark ones that, that are a significant part of it for me. Um, but that shows up first, um, sexual, uh, actually the sexual abuse shows up, starts to show up, incest starts to show up first my so-called alien abduction, quote unquote, uh, information starts to show up. And if you survive through this, then you can start getting into some of the deeper stuff, um, for me to actually recognize that the, you know, I was having, starting to have memories of military bases and human personnel torturing me. Um, then I'd start to have memories of sometimes ritualistic, um, memory surfacing, and then the kill programming seemed to me to be something they didn't want to surface. Um, so that came later. In other words, I would have these strange snippets of memory regarding guns and men and military and so forth, but I could never really piece together. Um, so it, to me, it's literally designed to break down in a way that one, you won't be believed. It'll, it'll stretch the credulity of anybody, um, a lot of child altars started showing up first 
And it's not that, that what they had wasn't important to share. It's that it sounded crazy and emotional. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't in a, in an organized fashion or rational and logical. It was very, very emotional. Um, uh, lots of crying and, and, and it, it made sense to me that they would want this to show up first. What they didn't want was the deeper altars to be able to show up. They wanted things to either, um, you know, you get locked up somewhere and medicated, or if they need the self-destruct programs to take over and, and take you out. So they have ways already set up of how this should break down when it begins and resolution um, to the problem. So, and then if, if they think they can reprogram you, they will try. Um, if that doesn't take, then most of the self-destruct stuff will hopefully in their eyes take over. Um, but I had, I went to the UFO community. I didn't know where else to go. And when I went there years ago, many years ago, um, it was not appropriate to talk about military abduction back then. That was very, um, I was very hush hush. You know, people didn't really want to engage in that. They want to talk about aliens. And I know that's quite different now. I mean, we moved into the whole years ago, super soldier program and all this, but which don't even get me started on that. Um, so, so yeah, so it's set up that way. So they'll send one or more to come in um, to reprogram and really what they're doing is reinforcing programming that's already been put in place and they can make additions. I believe there was a period in the late nineties, early two thousands, a very short window where there was some kind of enhancement to me. And I believe that was the, um, um, related to kill programming. Um, I also believe it was related to directed energy weapons, um, which they were, I, in my case, I'm absolutely certain that as late or as early as the late seventies, early eighties, I was already being, uh, remotely handled at times, meaning there wasn't necessarily a physical handler always present. Um, so yeah, I hope that that kind of answers the question. No, that did. So why do you think that you were strong enough to get past these altars that were the kill or the self-destruct altars did the people that were helping you help you through that were you watch i mean how did you get past those um uh, yeah i you know i honestly don't know other than um a really strong spirit there was one one person in my life for about the first year and a half maybe two years who really encouraged me to use prayer, even though I didn't, I didn't have any feeling for it. Um, he just told me to trust him and to pray and, um, and that it, things would, he kept telling me things would change. If I just hung on, it would change. He guaranteed it would change. Um, and so I did. And, uh, you know, I think to some degree, um, it's not, it's not about I was virtuous or, or anything like that. It was just that I had a, a very strong spirit, a very strong uh, will to survive. And truth is, is really important to me. Um, it's, I'm one of those people that I'm willing to do whatever I have to, to find the truth, even if the truth is um, extremely painful. Um, and not only what was done to me, but in my case, what I had done 
uh, what this body had participated in with these many different minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I attribute it to a strong spirit. And I also see there were some interesting, very profound experiences, three in particular over the course of several decades, where I am certain that something in the spirit realm on the good side was working for me. Um, I couldn't acknowledge it back then. I just, I wasn't even capable, but I have very, uh, very particular memory um, after um, a suicide attempt. Um, I had a lot of self-destruct stuff, but there was one time that I, I believe I really did try to do an OD. And, um, and the morning after, I was shocked that I awake, awakened. Matter of fact, I awakened in a startled gasp and um, I couldn't figure out why the medication hadn't worked. And I went into the bathroom and I had a very brief experience standing in front of the mirror uh, that was quite profound. Um, I couldn't process what it was or what had happened. All I knew was I wanted more of that. And it was only lasted for a few seconds. And it was something that kind of rushed through my body. And so I do believe that there was a tremendous amount of grace in my life, believe it or not, with everything else, that there was purpose. There was, um, I believe we have destinies, all of us. Um, We all have roles to play. And so I think something was at work there as well to assist, not to carry me, not to make me invincible, but to assist me as I engaged my will in that direction, as I attempted, sincerely attempted um, and continued to attempt to find out what had happened and, and to extricate myself from it. And I think when we do those things, there's, um, other things in the spirit realm that are there to assist that. So some combination of all those things. Do you think that prayer helped you? People say, Oh, absolutely. People say that when you say Jesus, that is that just even in talking about Jesus protects you. Is that something you believe? Well, for me, it's Christ. You know, I, I do, I, in my, in my esoteric, um, practice of Christianity. There's a, for me, there's a difference between Jesus and Christ. They were at, together at one point. Um, so the the title of Christ or the name Christ or the acknowledgement of Christ, yeah, absolutely. What is the I don't difference think, to you? Oh, that's that's a big deep one. I don't think I'm ready to go down. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But it's not. I'm not saying there's a difference. Um, I see them as two separate things that came together. Okay. Um, and um, I, that would probably be more appropriate. Um, but I do believe there's power in the name of Jesus as well. It's just for me, it's always, I'm always, um, if I verbalize, it's Christ. Um, and absolutely, absolutely, I think there's, um, I know, I won't even say I think, I know there is power in that. And even I believe that, that it's possible, like for me, this person telling me to, to just pray for help. He wasn't telling me to pray to Jesus or to Christ, or he was just telling me to, to pray for help and protection. And 
I believe it works. Um, even I believe it's something you can build towards, even if you don't believe, because I didn't back then. And I, I think there was programming to keep me away from it. Um, and it's yeah, I think programmed it's, to everybody to keep stay away from it now. Yes, exactly. And I saw this happening years ago and I said, it will, it will, there will come a time where it will be subversive to speak of Jesus or Christ or, or the combination. It, it will be a subversive thing. And I, I think we've already begun that stage. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's really too bad. You talk about Cain, Lilith and Lucifer. What do you talk what do you can you give us an overview of what you talked about in your book about absolutely things? yeah so part of my programming <clears throat> in the astral significantly um meaning um in an altered state of consciousness um not in the everyday face-to-face -face type thing, but very extensive, very lucid programming with um, some beings that I came to know as Lucifer, Lilith, and Cain. Uh, their presentations could vary, especially with Cain. Um, he could pre pre present himself as um, very human looking, but what was really interesting is he never had um, nipples or belly button. Mm, weird. Um, which took out the human aspect, right? Um, so it was clear that he was something other, but then he also had a presentation, a very monstrous presentation when it felt like when he wanted to psychologically torture me or um, punish me in some way. Um, there seemed to be a, a very uh, sexual relationship with him um, and not in the sense of, not in the sense of, to humans sexually engaging, but a profound sexual binding to him. Um, Lilith to me was his mother and lover. Um, and she presented only, I think she presented to me only once as a very motherly figure. It was a, a rather extensive programming session that involved Cain, Lilith, and what I was told was Lucifer, uh, which I did not engage with. Um, but I won't try to explain the whole episode. It is in great detail in the book. Um, but he was presented as an older man in a, in a, this room that I was looking into through a doorway, uh, that, and I remember the, the feeling of how old everything felt in the room. Like the room was loaded with, um, furniture that was just super old and that again, in these altars, I don't know, I don't understand all this. I'm picking up what I, you know, what I can. But I remember that he was not looking in my direction and I was looking at him on a profile. And I do know that my altar felt as though it was extremely important that he did not quote unquote, look upon me. And um, I was under the impression through a variety of things in that at that episode that that was Lucifer or a, a presentation of Lucifer. Um, so Lilith is, I think, in my opinion, would be quite common in a lot of MKUltras. It does, there's, let me explain it this way. There's the Lilith and then there's all of her offspring. That's how I see it. So she may have thousands of offspring. So you could have either the Lilith, um, 
which I believe is exactly what I had the Lilith in my life. Um, or, or they can have offspring working on people, but I, I believe that she is, um, um, a part of every, or her offspring is a part of every MKUltra's sexual programming. She was very strong in the, it was as if she was the controller of my sex altars, that she had played some role in, in all of those. Do you um, think, do you think that's the same Lilith that we understand that came before Eve, or do you think that's just the name and the representation that you were given? I think it's her, um, but I'm going to be honest. I don't understand all the, the biblical version of, you know, the, the religion version of all these characters, the, but I do, I think she is, she is that Lilith. Um, and I, I also believe that over different epics in human history, uh, she's had different names just, and the same with Lucifer and Ariman, which is the, the Satan part in, in, um, exoteric Christianity where he would be called Satan. Um, so I believe that over different epics in human history, they've also gone by other names, but they just, you know, work their way through, um, the evolutionary stages. Why do you think some of us, like me, I feel like I'm I'm blessed with uh, not with just having good spirits around me, just having Christ and just having. Why do you think some of us have that, and others are exposed to this more incredible evil side? Well, um, I have a very very strong answer to that that I'm not sure I'm qualified to to relay, but I will make a, a very general attempt. Um, I mentioned about previous lives. That is something I'm absolutely undoubtedly believe is 100% true. And, um, that plays a role in, in this life, uh, that can be part of it, um, carry over from previous lives, um, bringing into what we're here to do in this life. But I also know that um, brothers on the left, the left brotherhoods, um, they're the ones that are not really working for the good of humanity. Um, they're working for a lot of these other dark forces. And there are actual cases um, there are actual cases of individuals who have become, they're coming into their incarnation and what they are destined to do is profoundly amazing for humanity and the further evolution of all of us. And some of these brotherhoods know this because of their practices and they can target a person upon birth to make sure that that person isn't successful because that person's destiny is counter to their agenda. And there are people that I know of in history, and I believe I actually know someone, ooh, I almost got choked up there. Oh. I know someone that I believe that was the case. 
I know him. He's in his 60s. And I believe that um, from birth, um, at birth, they took him away from his family for 10 days. And um, he has been a, a lifelong victim and still is. And I believe there's something about this person that was intended to do something exceptionally powerful for, you know, one person can be, not that we don't all have a role, we all have a role, but um, there are those exceptions that come along that maybe just something they're going to do is really going to affect in a tremendously wonderful way um, the future, not only for them, but for others. And um, I know, absolutely know that the left-hand path has access to some of this information and some of these people that are, these souls that are coming in and they can um, halt that. And it doesn't suit necessarily to kill the person because the person could turn right around and in a very short time reincarnate. So instead they, um, they usurp that person's life. Um, they'll take them, kidnap them, whatever, and um, have them live an early life uh, that's, that's torturous. And that will usually halt, usually halt the, um, the destined path. And if it doesn't, I know of one person in history in this case that eventually they did murder him um, because it was starting to resurface years later and they couldn't have that. So um, there's a variety of reasons why, you know, some people, um, why some people have a more charmed life and, and others don't. I mean, there's, there's a variety of things. I think there's a lot of things that can come into play. And I think a lot of it remains unknown. It just, it is what it is. And we never get the chance to find out why it is what it is. In completing this, what do you want to tell people? What is your message? You, you've just buried your soul. I mean, you've, you've put so much out on the line. So what is it that you really want to help people with? Um, I, I want people to understand that the reality, the physical reality we think we're living in is, is very illusory. It's, it's not what is really the truth of, of our humanness, um, our earth, um, our God. It's, it's, um, in so many ways, it's at the very least a watered down version. And in most cases, it, a lot of times it's an out and out lie. And humanity is on a course. Um, we have a lot of opportunity and assistance available to us. Um, but we have to seek truth sincerely and with discipline. Uh, we have to engage our, our true will in our lives. Um, we have to engage our mind in critical thinking. Um, we can't just go along with what seems to be happening and what the other person is doing. And I believe we're at a time where this may matter more than it ever has. And 
it's up to us individually and then collectively to take charge and to take responsibility for what is and what isn't in this world. It's not someone else's responsibility. It's our responsibility individually. And until that really starts to sink in, I don't believe things are going to change. I think we're going to continue on what appears to be happening, which is a de-evolution path at the moment. And I think that um, we can change that. I'm actually an incredibly hopeful and faithful person. Um, and I, I know that it's not, it's not up to someone else coming to do it for us. I believe that already happened <laughs> with Christ and Jesus and, um, that we have an opportunity to engage what, what Steiner calls that Christ impulse today. And, but it is an action. It's a proactive stance. It's not a sitting back and waiting for someone or something else to do it. And the more we show up on an individual basis, the more empowered we become. The, and the more, I believe, the more, more grace even shows up in our life. So um, it's, it's gotten rather dark on the surface. You know, this is what, what people like me live with underground so to speak in the black and it's now surfacing for the whole population and it will continue to progress if we don't individually stop and say how am i responsible for not only my life but the lives of those around me and i don't know how much time we have sarah but could i read something to you yes read this go ahead this this is um, this is actually in my I put it in my book. It's the prelude to my book, and um, it's something I came across in my studies of Rudolf Steiner. And this is from the late 15th century. There was a group a group of a very small group of Rosicrucians, another religion that also got usurped by the left hand path. Um, but at one time, it was it was the real deal. And this small group gathered in reverence and a rather solemn manner. They had a little, little altar there. They were praying to, the God, to God. And this is what they said. And the first time I heard this, I wept. And anyway, it wound up in my book. So here we go. They said this, quote, We resolve to feel ourselves responsible at this moment, not only for ourselves and our community or our nation, nor even only for the people of our time. We resolve to feel ourselves responsible for everyone who has ever lived on earth. We resolve that we will feel ourselves as belonging to the whole of humanity. And we feel that what has really happened with the human being is that he has deserted the rank of the fourth hierarchy and has descended too deeply into matter. And just an aside here, that's what they understood the fall to mean. And continuing, and in order that humanity may be able to return to the rank of the fourth hierarchy, may be able to find for ourselves of our own free will what in earlier times gods have tried to find for us and with us. Now let the higher knowledge be offered up for a season. 
And that is incredibly inspirational to me. Um, and I believe when they did this, it had a very profound effect in the world. And, and that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier that what we do, what we take on each day, what we, we think about, and I'm not talking about rainbows and unicorns. Um, I'm talking about a genuine engaged will um, that is willing to do whatever that person's role is, despite what those around you may think or accept about you. Um, the path to where I am now and being able to be on with someone like you was a long time coming. Um, most people didn't want to be near me or around me or hear what I had to say. And um, so sometimes we have to just keep on plowing through and remember, courage isn't being without fear. It's having fear and doing it anyway. Yeah, because otherwise it's not courage. It's just ignorance. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I, right. this is uh, just thank you so much for, again, having that courage. I When I see this courage, that raw courage that you're displaying to bring the truth out or your truth, then I, I just, um, it, it, I, I admire that because what I'm seeing so much is a lack of courage. I've been talking about this for years now of a lack of courage that I see, especially in the, the professional class, people that can make a difference. There's just so, there isn't enough courage there. They just want to go along to get along and they just lack right. basic courage. And um, I just, that's, it's messing up all of society. Can you? And can I, you know, that, that to me was, has been part of the agenda is the apathy and uh, the lack of sense of responsibility or connection that has been a long-term goal. And, and there, we see it, they're succeeding to some degree. Um, but that has been going on for a long time through media, through movies, through music, through, you know, everything we're exposed to is taking away people's ability to first of all ask questions and have that courage it's it's be, we become complacent apathetic well i would just like to take have human beings take back the control of our own destiny and whatever these beings are get rid of them we are right. in control of our and what the heck so okay right. well thank you so much and where can people get a copy of this magnificent book that you wrote well, you know, it's on several, it's in several places now, but I would recommend people go to logosophiabooks.com because they're an independent publisher and I receive more there. They receive more there. Um, it is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but we ask that you go to the, the publisher themselves if you can. Thank you so much. I'll make sure I have that link up and thank again, you. thank you for giving me more time today. I appreciate it. And you have absolutely. Yeah, I hope your new your 2023 is just everything that you're going to make. I have a feeling that you're going to be in the spotlight quite a bit going forward. So <laughs> get ready for it. <laughs> well, thank you. And happy new year to you as well. Well wishes. <laughs>